D-Day. We started getting uh, 50 caliber machine guns mounted on our landing craft. I had a ton and a half of TNT and 50 gyrene cans of high-octane gas. On the 5th of June, of course, we were sleeping on the docks. And it was raining. We were laying out there in the rain, getting ready to go. A voice from the past cuts through the crackle and hiss of an aging tape recording. A D-Day survivor shares his story. This testimony, this first-hand account of history, exists because of a caring, dedicated man. There are stories out there, stories that I sure as heck want to hear, and now that I've heard them, I feel a very moral obligation to tell them because these men are no longer with us. But even if they were, they're too humble and self-effacing to tell their stories. And their stories need to be told because they literally saved the world and they're called the greatest generation and they are. 78-year-old Bob Abbott from Yonkers is not a historian by trade. He's a Navy veteran, a grandfather, he's retired. And over the years, he has taken it upon himself to interview and record World War II combat veterans. Growing up in the Bronx, his heroes were all World War II vets. He believes the seeds of their selflessness were sown during the Great Depression. All that young six-year-old kid then knew was how to help mommy and daddy put food on the table, shining shoes, delivering newspapers, whatever it was. And I say to people, basic training is very helpful. It shows you how to use your weapon. But nothing more prepared these men psychologically to go forward to sacrifice the way they did, then those 12 years from the age of 6 to 18, when there was no such thing as me, 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 it was all we, 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 whatever you could do to help mommy and daddy, your neighbor, your relative, your friends. And that prepared them to go forward and sacrifice in the way they did. These men, to me, represented the finest in sacrifice in thinking about the greater good than the individual. And it's because of them we're having this conversation that I have my family, that I have my grandchildren, that we have the way of life we have. And as much as with politics these days there's so much contention, we're still the greatest, freest nation in the world. Whenever he would spot an older gentleman wearing a veteran's cap, Bob Abbott would introduce himself. Quietly, when no one else was around, he would thank the man for his service. And then he would politely ask if he would like to share his story. For them, it was like going to confession. They got it all out. And the thing for these men that opened it more than anything was in 1998, 1999, that movie Saving Private Ryan came out. That opened up everybody, for good and bad. It was a catalyst. So I was sort of approaching them pretty much at the same time that they had seen the movie or heard about the movie, and even if they hadn't seen it, they heard about it, it opened up a lot of things, and they were all retired. So now they didn't have a job to keep them busy. They were sitting around the house, whatever they were doing, they had time to think about it, the good and the bad. Over 20 years, Abbott has interviewed roughly 200 World War II combat veterans. He has hundreds of hours of conversations on audio cassette, many accounts of D-Day. We could see the guys trying to get off, trying to get up to the beach for protection. Of course, they were just about wiped out. They were just being butchered. And that's exactly the word we use, is butchered. The water, of course, was blood red. The beach was a disaster. It was just, just a disaster. Waved us off because we couldn't get back in again. Later on that afternoon, I went back in about 3 o'clock in the afternoon to pull some of the wounded off. That's when I saw the arms, the heads, the legs, half the bodies. 
wasn't a damn thing you could do for him because if you tried to move him, it would have made it worse for him. But we got through it. We got through D-Day. There are harrowing stories of survival. They dropped the bomb. As you can hear, audio cassette quality diminishes over time. Bob Abbott hopes a museum or a library can preserve and archive the interviews, digitize them before the tapes degrade even more. I interviewed a man up in Rhode Island who was a uh, prisoner of war for 1,292 days or any plants. He's no longer with us. He was raised in, I think it was uh, North Carolina. He joined the Navy to help his parents pay their rent and put food on the table. And he was, his submarine was torpedoed January or February of 1942. And he was a POW for 1,290 plus days. And some of the stories he told were harrowing. One of the stories he told is as a POW, you never tried to escape because the Japanese would retaliate if you escaped because you slept in groups of 10. If anybody in that group of 10 escaped, the other nine got shot. It is a deep personal sense of obligation and duty that compels Bob Abbott to chronicle these first-hand accounts of the men who had a hand in saving civilization and shaping the modern world. The older I get, the more I appreciate what these young men did and the sacrifice they made. And I appreciate having this life. And I realize we would not have this life if the Germans won or the Japanese won World War II. And yes, it's been over 75 years, but we enjoy the fruits of that victory every single day of our life, every single day. And every one of us, whether we want to admit it or not, is a recipient of that sacrifice. And I think the very least we can do, if we have the time and the interest, I have both, is to thank these men personally, when I can, and they're no longer with us, and then to thank them through telling their stories to as many people as possible. 
I make it a point whenever I have a volunteer at our local high school to tell their stories to these young kids. I want the young kids to realize what young people their age, a year or two old, did. In Yonkers, Sean Adams, WCBS News Radio 80. D-Day morning, we loaded up with troops. Heat and Army demolition teams. All that night we rode across the English Channel. About four o'clock that morning, we headed in for Omaha. There was an old church that was bombed out up at St. Mary Glace. That was the beacon to take us in.